0: Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Phase and Adventures of Middle-earth podcast. I'm Josh and that's Callum. We're going to give you inside information on how to find your own path through Tolkien's world.
1: There is the city of Dale, its markets known far and wide, full of the bounties of vine and vale, peaceful and prosperous. For this city lay before the doors of the greatest kingdom in Middle-earth, Erebor. You should see the waterways of Dale, Frodo, and the fountains and the pools. You should see the stone paved roads of many colors.
0: Hello, Callum. Hello, George. Strong impression, thank you very much How are you
1: i am Groot. No, I am good. Don't know where Groot came from although i was i had a I had a really good day, and one of the reasons why I had a really good day is because I really love living in a city.
0: <laughs> That's a strong segue into this episode because yeah. this episode is going to be about
1: preparing cities. yeah and what's so good about cities? There's so much to do, so many people to see and talk to and interact with. There's loads of different um plot hooks, um, both in real life and in the game. <laughs> Is there it are exciting often more, place?
0: Often more job opportunities in cities than there yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, you might get some jobs, yeah. There might be an adventure notice board somewhere that you can pick up a few bounties from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the worst of the chocolate bars, but
0: I actually agree. I've for a long time thought bounties are absolutely rubbish. And any time I mention that, people get really angry about it.
1: Well, write in of your complaints. Have you ever had a dark chocolate bounty? Because that's that's slightly better than a normal bounty.
0: I have not had a ch- dark chocolate No, I've not had a dark chocolate bounty. However, once when I was in America, I saw we were at a, a gas station. And, you know, like American confectionery is different and like massive. They had one and it was a, a dark chocolate Milky Way. And I was like, this looks like it's going to be absolutely amazing. Got it? It was a Mars bar. Like, huh? like it, it was literally just a Mars bar repackaged as a dark Milky Way. Massive disappointment. <laughs> what? Yep, yep. I was, I was heartbroken. I thought this was going to be some novelty chocolate. No. Banana,
1: banana flavored KitKats. I was looking at some stats for the podcast, and more than half of our downloads are from the North American continent. Uh, so that's, that's very interesting. So maybe we shouldn't knock the confectionery there.
0: Well, I'm certainly not knocking all the confectionery from North America. Some of it is amazing. I was just deeply disappointed that I thought this dark Milky Way thing was going to be this exciting new thing. It's just, We just call it a Mars bar here in the UK. Well, do you know
1: where you can get a good collection of confectionery?
0: No In the city. <laughs> Thank you very much for bringing it back. us we are... back. It's all talk about...
1: part of the script. Well, it's not really scripted. But... I
0: don't think any of our listeners have under the misapprehension that we script anything that we do. Do or if
1: there is a script that you've got the script and I am just going off and panting.
0: It would work quite well actually. I'm, I'm making a note of that. Cities. We're going to talk about cities because preparing for players arriving at cities can be exceptionally daunting. And all jokes aside in a city you can pretty much do whatever you want which is great as a player it's great in the real world but when you have to be the person running the game and your players could do pretty much anything it can be quite overwhelming Uh, we've both been in the the situation of needing to prep a session which is going to be in a city or a big urban environment or i mean we use the word city really anywhere that there are loads of people potentially npcs uh, and different locations, shops or taverns, um, outdoor areas. A- anywhere that there's g- is very crowded with stuff for the players to do, because what's effectively happening, if you strip all the game away, you're just giving them more choices than they normally have, which means more preparation. So uh, narratively, we're kind of reaching the point in our game where we're coming to... Uh, certainly discussing the podcast Erebor, uh, Dale and Laketown. Each of them is quite a populated area, so we thought it was a good chance to talk about how to tackle this. How did you find this? Daunting. Dealing with... yeah.
1: Daunting. I think that's the right word. Because we'd come from the first arc, where it's all in the Anduin Vale, and there is a lot of plot hooks but mostly you're out in the sort of wilds there were usually one or two npcs that you're interacting with even when you went to the woodman settlements you know there are named characters from some of the pre-written modules that i used Mm -hmm. and uh you know i I guess i gave me some prep but i had never tackled this before i had never done anything and although you'd first started it lake town it had started you know you were leaving lake town and it was just like you are leaving lake town and you will go here and there was no need to to prep it so coming back to lake town dale and Erober, which are the free you know largest places that you will visit in 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 the wilderlands yeah it felt a bit you know what are they going to do who are you they going to want to talk to are they going to talk to every random guard and ask them their <laughs> name and what their interests are Yes. So I felt I felt daunted coming into it. But I also I felt excited because, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot going on and there is a lot of things to do. So I guess, Josh, you've you've prepped some cities. So in our game of strad, you've we were talking about Valiki as a, a place where there's a lot going on. Yeah, And Matt Colville had some stuff in prep. So what's your what's your approach? How do you think about when your players are going to a city or a large town or just an area where there's going to be lots of people and things going on? How do you how do you approach that?
0: Well, I learned this lesson incredibly quickly as a DM. And I think I've maybe mentioned this before in the pod. When we played our very first session, I DM'd, I'd never played I DM first and um, played a family game. We played The Lost Mans of Fandelva, the 5e starter set. And it, it's a great introductory module. Uh, it's got a good kind of introductory hook in as much as it's quite controlled. You as the party are um, basically helping a, a caravan, a wagon. It, this is sort of an ambush. Spoilers. Plot, plot spirals from there. Now, the the this was the first time I never really looked at pre-written stuff. And it had kind of said, you know, there'll be a bit of an ambush which was obviously to introduce the players to the mechanics of combat and stuff. And then it was like, if the players follow the tracks of any escaping enemies, it will lead them to a location. And I was like, right, okay. So in my head, I'm visualizing the session. They'll say hello to each other. Caravan gets attacked. They then pursue the the enemies to this other location. Great, okay, that's manageable had the combat, they were successful and they said, feels a bit risky to pursue those enemies, let's take the caravan to the town that we were going to which is next down the road now I I then panicked because I was like I've not prepped this town at all why would I have prepped the town? They arrived they wanted to like find somewhere to stay, they wanted to sell some gear they'd found, they wanted to drop off the the cart to effectively complete that mission I was just completely daunted on what to do (laughs) Uh, and I learned literally session one that uh, you can't predict what your players are going to do. <laughs> and it's hard to anticipate in the moment what's going to happen. So keeping your prep manageable makes a big difference. Mm. This was definitely true in, in Cursor Strad if anyone's played or is aware of it. There is a, a kind of a the, – the most populated area is a place called Valaki, which is kind of the hub of the, the game. There are so many memes that float around on the various Reddits and stuff about prepping Valaki because there is so much information. The number of NPCs and locations there is is vast. It's so thorough in the module. The plot hooks are fantastic. But to prep the town, there's not really any way of prepping it without kind of reading everything because once the players arrive – there's no real way you can control which door they knock on or what they think to do first. Now, most of the time as a DM, you know roughly what your player's mission is and therefore where they're going to go. Like they're going to rescue someone from that cave, okay? So you, you, you know roughly the steps to get there. And you also know if they rescue the person, they're likely to return the person to the, the quest giver. Great. Right? Right? That, that's quite linear. Even though the way they do that quest they can tackle it in a hundred different ways. It's reasonably linear, the steps. Because we all live in urban or semi-urban environments, even if we don't know the town of Valgy or the town of Lake Town, we immediately assume that it has all of the things that we would We be like, oh, well, they will have shops that are available to do this, that, and the other. There'll be somewhere to stay. We'll be able to rent a boat. There's probably some kind of game or socializing thing going on. And it's almost impossible as the DM to prep everything. Like your players are going to ask for things that are not unreasonable that you just haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. So I think a good way of doing it, if there's pre-written stuff, is to skim through all of the material and um, maybe make bullet point notes I did that so I didn't know everything in great depth like I didn't know that if you visited that particular tavern all of the NPCs who might be there but I knew roughly what each location was and if you asked anything or thought any questions or the classic thing stop someone in the street to ask them a question the basic information is kind of in front of me, and I'm like, right, okay. If they have any questions around this NPC or that quest, I can gently point you to one of a couple of locations. What you're really trying to do is only have a couple of places the players are actually going to end up at and signpost them towards them with whatever they do. So it's not restrictive. Like, if they want to go and um, buy new armor and you have to kind of make up a shop that's selling equipment... The person behind the desk can give them a hint that they need to go and speak to hmm. a particular person. Um, so it's not—it's not really railroading. I think it's just about trying to keep the focus on what the different locations and different NPCs are there.
1: I—I I was just thinking so much when you were talking there about lessons I've learned. I, f- I think it was the first thing i dm'd or maybe i started adventures of middle earth i think i did and then i started running a homebrew D D game on an island that i made up which is yeah. sort of in the forgotten forgotten realms but off a bit and i had all these like ambitions and plots and i started doing a big city and i prepped so much about the city loads of npcs and then the main characters that you spoke to were just the random guards at the dock Yep, I don't think. Were you playing the first session? I, don't I did play the first session, yeah.
0: which made it even more confusing when I did join the party. Um, and they just kept talking about Rob and Bob, <laughs> and I was like, Who are these NPCs that are called Rob and Bob? Like, all the rest of the world had these really evocative fantastical names and I was like why are the two characters the most obsessed with they were Bob? just like <laughs> and what? then
1: but I like improv this whole interaction there's Rob and Bob and you know Rob was like quite talkative and like was like talking about magic wanting to see it and Bob was this very silent surly character who um you know this is like, dynamic thing and I guess was my point is that when you when you prep a city you will prep some things and you will not prep other things and uh depending on how comfortable you are of improvising that actually might be the thing that your players come away remembering yeah and initially i was a like, with of that but i think what i've realized now is that when i prep i want to prep stuff that is actually like meaningful and impactful and people yeah. are going to engage with and i've fought through it and so i don't think it's railroading to gently guide your players towards the things you've actually prepped and yeah. you know I i have this thing with books and films and other things. I'm reticent to finish them because of that feeling at the end, like when you finish a really good book and it's over, you're like, oh. Or yeah. a video game, the same thing. And I found myself doing that a bit in D in D D or, or in AIM. It's like I want to extend it, I want it to go on forever. So I don't and actually just like just get to the point. Get to the get to the best <laughs> bit. You know, the lazy DM guy talks about this in prep. They're like, prep the like what's the biggest impact things, prep the like fantastical locations, prep the main quest plots. And if you've got that in your city and you're able to gently guide people towards it, I don't think you need to stress it about the smaller things and you can either improv them or, and I wish I'd done this earlier, is if they say like, I want to go off and buy these mundane goods, just be like, fine, you you just narrate it. You say, you go off, you found a, you found a blacksmith and he bought some armor. You know, like done. Let's get on with the actual, like, real exciting bits of the city. The things that are there's there's plot hooks, there's preparation, and and skip over the things then.
0: Yes. I think that's Actually, very fair. I think that's laughing. a good way of doing it. Because we do we do abstract out in aim quite a lot. Like a huge part of the game is journeys, which take place over several days, weeks, potentially even months. We don't <laughs> We effectively fast forward in terms of what we see as players. We don't we don't play every single day at the same pace. Often there'll be a day of travel where not much happens. Yeah. You know, maybe we roll for a random encounter and it's a it's the weather or something, and you narrate it. That day maybe only takes two or three minutes of DM narrating. The next day might be an NPC or a combat, and we zoom in much more. And the same is definitely true in the city. I think something I quite like doing to keep it so that there's still player agency is if they want to find something reasonably mundane. Yeah. So like equipment that you think they Mm. can get this. It's not, it's not a challenge in as much as like a, a new shield, just a basic shield exists here. They can get it, but to give them some agency, I'll often ask for a die roll of some kind. And it's not necessarily a success fail, but it might affect how long that task takes them. So it's like, yeah, you can get a a shield in the city. We don't have to role play you stopping every person in the street until you find someone who knows where the armorer is, but maybe make an investigation role or a persuasion role or something suitable. And that can judge how quickly you maybe we kind of montage out, you know, you speaking to someone or knowing where you need to go kind of thing think helps something I picked up from some of the better pre-written modules in d and and in other role-playing games for an environment is often rather than giving you loads of people what they actually give you lo- is loads of pre-prepared information so it'll say everyone in Lake Town knows and it'll give you a list of things that hmm. is known by everyone there um, and it'll be a mixture of stuff. So it'll be some of it will be to do with like the history and culture that everyone is aware of, the dragon, uh, the Lonely Mountain, uh, Thorin's company. It might be everyone suspects that a particular character is corrupt, or everyone knows that recently a person went missing, or um, everyone thinks they are better than elves, or something like this. And it means that regardless of who they stop to speak to and engage with you can drop in some of that information to any of the encounters that they have and they're all real because you've prepped them in advance and you think this is what the people of lake town are like what information they know what's on their mind as well like what what's what's happening in lake town that people are talking about but you don't need to know all the people so if they say oh is there someone at the dock?" And you think oh, I didn't think to prep an NPC at the dock? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, you can't prep five hundred people. You don't prep five hundred people, but you can know roughly what is happening in the town and what people are talking about. Like maybe it was that there was a, you know, there was a, a brawl in the town square with with a, an outsider who no one's ever seen or something, and like lots of people would be talking about that if the party arrived. Mm. That's a plot hook. It's an inciting incident you don't need to know every person who knows that information as long as you know the information that is is available. Um,
1: I was looking back at my prep notes for Lake Town and one of the things that I found, which I, uh, as many things in Roll20, the way that I organize notes is not, it's quite organized, but it's not perfect. And I found a page where I had just written down notes about uh, Lake Town and I'd made like a list of emergency NPCs and, i made a list of all the rumors that were going on at the time and that was quite good so i've got a list of people like Egmond, male and uh, uh, each of them i've given one sort of character trait so i agmund I- would be uh rhythmical
0: Oh good yeah i like that
1: uh or nerulf would be quiet and i, I that's, and that's that's kind of all you need for yeah. for an npc to just drop someone in and then you kind of get into the character and as soon as you've got like one or two words to base it on Mm -hmm. you can you can sort of conjure people out and then if you've got this baseline set i really like that way of doing it in the aim books they they do have like rumors that you can get and quite a few classes have abilities relating to get rumors yeah uh, it quite quickly gets out of hand when there's like four characters in your party
0: <laughs> all get a
1: rumour. And you're like, you get a rumour, you get a rumour, you get a rumour, <laughs> everyone gets a rumour.
0: Um, I think what you've done a good job with, though, is that mechanic. That The mechanic is designed that the player can actually effectively say you're in a new area. Oh, I get a rumour because of this character ability. I think over time what we've evolved is you know that most of our characters have this ability in some way shape or form and you're just ensuring that we constantly hear rumors and it, it we don't have a moment where we say i would like to press the button and get a rumor now yeah. it's more just that you narrate in that like we overhear or we pick up from a discussion with someone or an NPC will just venture the information yeah it's kind of a weird ability to have in a
1: character sheet because it it obviously benefits the whole party whether you're the person who got the rumor or not so kind of as a player kind of feel like well that's a wasted ability yeah and is that necessary um but maybe it speaks more to the way that the game is designed and the pre-written modules are done which is very linear in its approach you know like we run quite an open world free flowing game and so being able to have like the freedom to just go and speak to people is very different from you're on an adventure and you just you either get a rumor or you don't but you don't go off the beaten track like you do this yeah. thing but I, I don't know that's just not how I enjoy running games and I don't think how we enjoy playing them which kind of ties into the city thing again in that like I think there's so much material in the Ravanian region guide um and in some of the pre-written modules so the Erebor uh, adventures and the Wilderland adventures book yeah and then there's another there's a book called the Erebor region guide I think it's called and the player's handbook's got some stuff from Lake town as well so all the resources for prepping these free towns or cities is there and it's scattered and what I did when I was going to prep was I guess sort of what you did I gathered all the rumors together so I had a list mm. of ideas I didn't think about like who knew what and that would have been really helpful now that I think about it. I came I w- went to the book for each of these cultures and looked at the list of names and then noted them down so yeah. I could come up with names quickly and then I also prepped all the NPCs so every NPC in the t- in any of the books I made a little sheet for and then I would, like, get a little image to to imagine them. And then I would write in, like, a little bit of the bio, like, what their profession is, their description, and a little bit, like, voice notes. Because I try and do accents and, like, intonations to try and differentiate characters, because I find that quite immersive. Yeah. So I have a little note about, like, this person's voice it was direct, honest, and a little blunt no oh, I like it that's good yeah. so you know and that kind of helped I think you don't need much more than that to sell them and there is quite a lot out there and then the other thing that I did so I think you know like if there's ever resources you know no matter what system or game you're playing in but in aim in particular you know there, you know there's certain things that you know there'll be so in Lake Town there's going to be merchants there's going to be a lot of sailors there's going to be probably ambassadors maybe some elves or maybe some dwarves the book lays out a couple of these people so like Glowin, like he's going to be there as a sort of dwarven character there might be some elves there um so you've got quite a lot to go on already i think i was just reading it i think i've got like 23 npcs prepped for lake town um, wow. from the book from the books like people that you've encountered and then the other thing i did was any of your player characters and I think this is the, the bit where it really elevates it is if they are of that culture or have visited there before or know the area go to your player catchers and say yeah. who's in this place and then it yeah. really gets them so James his character he grew up in Lake Town and then moved to Dale and so he just gave me a whole list of people and I got to make so I you know I don't know if you remember any of them but that's yes really, I do and really I like to do that I think we'll talk more in depth about Lake Town and Dale like specifically, um, and give you some of those characters and and quest hooks and stuff. But just in general prep for cities, I think, you know, pick up the NPCs that you can, prepare NPCs generation in terms of like names and other things, and speak to your players and get any NPCs that they've got. And then with that, you're going to have a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's right to break it down into important NPCs, on, if it's pre written, then normally be the people who are pre written. And if it's entirely homebrewed, you're talking about significant characters who are relevant to whatever adventure is. And then the kind of unnamed lots of people who live in the place that the players can interact with. But you don't need to know all their names and all their details. You just need to have enough information that if your players do decide to stop someone in the street, you can have name, distinguishing feature, and a good chunk of information that they would know so that the players ask about recent events or if they ask about that scandal, gossip, and rumor, you're there. And that cuts the prep a lot. You don't need 100 NPCs. You need your big ones and you need roughly what the town would be like as a culture and that's deals with all the people yeah. and i think
1: a name is good as well because like I, that's what i learned from my first dnd game because i came up with rob and bob on the spot yep. and uh, <laughs> it was fine like people liked them like i think the improv went well it was a fun little interaction we still talk about it now so it's clearly memorable but it wasn't the names that fitted with the setting or like what was going on there. So it was, it was like, Oh, I should just, and now I tend to have that a lot of DM screens have that. They've got like name yep. on names in the back of that. And I, I feel like all the people like on critical role when, when Matt like is um what the, the party quite often will, will just ask yes. people <laughs> or ask like really in depth questions. They'll te they'll speak to a blade of grass at the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> right. speaking to plants and they become this like really memorable thing and he has this amazing ability i think to just improv and i i think you often think well i, I used to think "Watch, you know it's quite hard to tell when he's improving something and when he's actually prepared it because he's yeah, so
0: good, he, it keeps it and i think also because he has such an intimate knowledge of this world that he's made up that he that that question the point we made at the beginning about oh, what would the people in this place know well it's his world he does literally know everything that's happening in the world. So he's, he's quite comfortable being like, I could provide this information from this blade of grass or this catfish in a river or that random yeah. person that you've met in a tavern. You know, that information's available.
1: That's a good segue, I think. to another thing, so we've talked about prepping people. What else is there in cities? There's places. Yes. And how do you prep places? I think a great starting place is a, a lovely, lovely map
0: i 100 percent agree with you
1: (laughs) i love a map and they are there are lovely maps for uh for these places so for dale for erebor and for lake town and what i like about them is they're sort of isometrically orientated they've got numbers on them of a guide for all the important locations and it's immediately like
0: brings i don't know how you felt as a player when you went to these places and maps popped up I liked it a lot I felt it distinguished between when we were in the wilderness and you either used the kind of whole of wilderland map or um, maybe some art of you know some wild landscape then having a much more regimented urban map I felt helped change the tone it like in I think it helped take us into that like oh this is a busy bustling place like we can visualize it here I remember the the dale map with the various sort of streets and you pointed out where the tavern we were staying was uh, and how the the city walls interacted with uh, the river running um i really help, it helped me immediately get into okay here we go also when buildings are marked on the map it helps guide the players a bit yes yes that's a great point if you have a key On the map and it says you know from some hypothetical place like oh that is the royal palace and there is the grand bazaar and here is the docks and they're listed on a key immediately your players are interested in the the places that they might ask you oh is there also a stable here fine you may need to improvise that but you are saying to your players these things are definitely here you're in a city, it's perfectly reasonable that as soon as you walk in, you'll see a sign or you'll be able to see the building or you will just know in advance. Like, you're not giving them information that isn't going to immediately be apparent to them anyway. <laughs> so it's perfectly fine to say, yeah, here you go.
1: Town criers. Thoughts. I find them incredibly hot. Every time I've tried to play a town crier, one of these games. I've yes. found it so hard because then to get bombarded with questions and I'm like, this is just a town crier. It's not important. They're busy. Yes.
0: I think players, and we've talked about this before, it's part of the joy of the game. Players put importance on things they want to. And often that's the joy of the game is that they steer the story in a different direction. But if they say, is there a town crier? And you say, right, okay, yeah, here we go. It's hard to introduce information from the town crier that isn't important because your players will think it is important. So you might have like a really meaty plot hook or mystery. And you think, all oh, right, maybe the, the tanker is going to mention that there was a break in at the stables yesterday. Right? He's going to mention that as one of the things because that's going to become relevant Ooh, We'll layer that in. If you only say that, the players will think that's vital information. Let's immediately pursue it. So you have to kind of introduce other information that's less important. And it starts to get ridiculous, and you're like, well, now I'm making up other rumours that I want them to not pay attention to. Yes. I so don't notice this one. But if yes. they pick up on the wrong one, like, they might turn that into a story. And I'm slightly leaning towards us kind of making one of the characters in Dale a baddie, even though I don't think he ever was, the cheese merchant. Well, there's some cheesy plot hooks. <laughs> there were some cheesy plot hooks, and we became obsessed that the cheese merchant was corrupt in some way, and I think as characters we maintain that he was. I, I don't know yeah. as a player if he was, or whether we just manifested him into being. Well, sometimes with
1: cheese being corrupted by a bit of mold, is a good thing, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will never know about that one. Uh, the I forgot what I was gonna say, you distracted me with this cheese merchant chat
0: we were talking about places and preparing places oh so- and
1: I think the thing about having extraneous information is good and bad and I've just something that popped into my head there is I think it is simple it's the same as like someone who's got a really high perception or passive perception right I think a lot of the time as a player you think that means I will just see exactly what's going on and you know, there's that thing about, well, do you just over-describe everything? Like you notice there's a small caterpillar, like a hundred meters, away. you know, like, <laughs> you know, how much detail do you give? Do you give them extraneous information? And maybe it's something about like when you're in a town, you bombard, like I quite like doing this, like bombard them with stuff. So I, I, I love the books for this actually, because you are really nice descriptions. I usually would just sort of read from the book about a new location and say, Here's some information, try and get the feel of it, like describe what the town is, what's going on, the atmosphere, what people are like going past, the small things you notice. And then maybe give them lots of information and then you can get an an ability check in, you know, maybe the town crier, they have that interaction and then you get them to make like an intelligence check of some sort and then they... And then they use that to whittle down and be like well you know you 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 with the town cry information and you ask some people on the street and people seem to think that this is you know that's been resolved or you know you know these sort of things happen all the time you're like oh there's always robberies going on down in the in that part of town but um that's very unusual about the the problem with that that merchant outside of town you know like you so It is a balance, isn't it, between you want the place to feel bustling and alive and full and busy and that there's a lot going on, but you also, the same with the buildings and the NPCs, you kind of need to drive them towards those critical plot hooks that you've actually prepared and not have them going off on a wild tangent about something that you haven't prepared.
0: I think a good example of in the... Uh, well in in the book but very well done in the film is when they arrive at the prancing pony in brie because in game terms the key thing there is there is a massive npc in strider is at the prancing pony who they'll cross paths with this is an opportunity for they go in and peter jackson does a great job of showing the tiny hobbits in a pub which is a familiar setting but this one's very different and they're quite daunted by the big people and it's a bit rowdy and bawdy and boozy and he shows you kind of the whole pub and the barkeep and you do get a kind of a snapshot of Strider smoking in the corner and it feels ominous but it's well done because he's one of many people in the room what is as a DM you've effectively done is you've gone in and the players will be like, Oh, what do we see in here? And you can describe the tavern keep and you can be like, there are some people playing cards over there. And there's a, you know, there's a, a, a serving boy who's mopping up and there's this, that, and the other. And you can say, there's a strange figure in the corner. If you, they said, what's in the bar? And you said nothing other than there is a strange figure in the <laughs> <Yes>. corner. Like, <laughs> y- yes, that is the, the kind of interesting <laughs> thing here. But that was that th- that spoils any reality of what's going on there. Um, and I think the same is true of just basically any information or places you introduce. If you only give them one piece of information whether that's what building is available, an NPC, a rumour, that's all they will engage with because that's all that's in front of them. The world is described by you. So you need to kind of give them a canvas of like, things are happening. Here is perhaps an interesting thing that is happening.
1: That's so true. I, I think you do that really well in Valaki in Scurse Strad, in the tavern, because every time we go in, there's different people there. <laughs> And every time the different times of day is different busyness, and there's been times where i and I can still remember the feeling of being a player there uh in in that tavern and like how the like atmosphere is in the town, and that's really coming across, but in the wider town as well, so like you know when there's events going on in the world, and I think this is something you you is really good to do in a city is you know as your player characters become more established and more well known and potentially recognized how that reflect in, you know, just your description. So you're walking down the street and people look at you in the eye or like seem to take double takes, or as you become more Mm -hmm. famous, people come over as you're walking through and like, thank you for this, or, or people shun you and and give you hard looks because, and, and something that occurred to me when we were talking earlier on was, and I've not used this that much, but in the, I think it's in the lore master's guide, there is a table of like starting attitudes, which yeah. comes into the audience checks, which we talked about in an earlier episode. And, that, you know, it's difficult, but, like, I think using those can be really helpful. So, you know, when Carhu, Man of the End and Vale, who are sort of unknown and Dale, walks down the street, it's going to get a very different reaction and, and have different encounters with people and maybe get less information than yeah. someone who's viewed as friendly. Yeah. And that can change over time. But that's quite a good way of thinking about it is, like, it's not just like the places and the people, but how they how they react to and interact with you can be quite different as well, and that can sell yeah. the sort of the feel of the place because you know you you need to have like the physical things and the plot hooks, but how you, so I guess like you know to to point this back towards Adventures in Middle Earth, how did you how did you what was the feel that you recall of like Lake Town? Dale, Erebor, did they, did they feel different to each other? Or?
0: They did definitely feel different to each other. And they felt very different from the game that we'd had up to that point. Because we'd done quite a big chunk of, of sessions before then. And really the busiest place we'd ever been was either one of the Woodman settlements or Stonyford. But Stonyford was a village of, you know, maybe a I maximum. Like yeah like a dozen people if more people were staying like if the party were there, it's like a dozen people so they felt very different. I think you distinguish between three of them well. I think Lake Town and Dale already have a um, a very visual difference um that Tolkien does he his work does well and fantasy has as a result of this done well to really distinguish. Settlements as normally having some quirky visual aspect to them that really mm-hmm. helps ground you quickly. So the fact that Lake Town is on the lake, wait, that's right, isn't it? It is out on the, or is it near the lake? Is that? I think that's got something to do with why it's called Lake Town. Surely not. No,
1: it seems it's just a coincidence. It feels it feels it's named strange. after a lake person.
0: That makes a lot more sense i heard
1: I, is there something to do if there was like a mr lake and a ms town and they set founded it and that's why it's called lake town
0: oh yeah that makes a lot of sense one to dig into the archives of dale will have this information the library of dale yeah, which i believe I james helped create yeah james created the, the the royal library of dale we'll talk, yeah, talk we'll about fun. that with him Talking about kind of the cultures and things, the thing that I found with Erebor was uh, at this point I was playing Helmir, So a man of, uh, a man of Gondor did, had never really encountered dwarves very much. Erebor was a very alien culture for him. The fact that it was underground, the dwarvish culture was quite different to the men of the South. You did a good job of conveying, because we were in Dale and Erebor is like, like effectively the next door neighbor settlement. You had a good different flavor between the two I felt Um, and it doesn't take a huge amount but like you say the 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 attitudes of the dwarves to any outsiders in Erebor is quite different to the people of Dale who had a slightly more kind of metropolitan busyness there were dwarves there were passers through so I think that all all really kind of helped give a different sense of the place and make them memorable
1: so we've talked about but like how you would prepare a city and and the places and the people what about like plot hooks and running encounters in cities because I think that can be quite challenging as well you know how many battle maps do you prepare you know you don't really know where they're going to end up or do you just mm-hmm. have set encounters and if they go to them that's fine and if they don't
0: then that's also fine I think the encounters in the populated areas can be really challenging because whereas in the wild, if you have an encounter and you're you're ambushed by wargs, as you've been narrating it, the players listen to what you say, but they generally don't ask that many questions. If you're saying you're you know you're currently walking on a riverbank and there are hills around, it's is a vague enough description that if there's a battle, that it's gonna be a battle map that's pretty, you know, you've got a river there, green space, fine. In cities, naturally people ask more questions, they're more compact, there are NPCs and locations. If it's like, oh, you're in the town square and a fight breaks out, they already know that the town square is where the general store is and also where the docks are. And you're suddenly like, (laughs) I need to have a map that kind of encapsulates some of this because what if they want to interact with those places as part of the combat? So... The way I have prepped battle maps for urban areas is to normally have them with one of the key buildings in the map. Mm. Um, and I've not I, you can't realistically do it for the whole of a city because that would be colossal. I have seen maps that are hu- like huge and have like several streets um, and you could kind of either crop it or you could put the whole thing, but just put the combat in a small section of the map. Mm-hmm. But the ones I've generally used have been the key building of which you kind of want to limit anyway in the the city to just a couple of the key buildings. That's maybe at the centre of it and it's the surrounding area. Because those are naturally the places they are going to be encounters. Um, And I think those encounters are more interesting than like a random street encounter. Not that that's not fun, but if when you're in Valaki and Strad, there's going to be a fight, I'd rather it was at one of the key locations whether it's at the blue water inn or whether it's at um the church of st andrel rather than just you know generic side street mm-hmm. i'd rather it was in one of those places and i think the same is probably true for dale for lake town i don't know we've not really had much urban combat in aim um but, yeah, that's how I would prepare. I'd have battle maps that had the key locations on it. And if there happens to be just a kind of random encounter in the street, you can do Theatre of the Mind or you can use a generic map. Yeah. Um, You've done that but, before, and actually, it's fine. As a player, I, I had no
1: – you know, they have the, you have this map for Strad, I think, which just sort of like a misty area. And, yeah. And other like things a... you can do is – so I have, like, some map tokens that I've got on yeah. roll 20, and uh, I'm prepping at the moment for um, – some stuff that requires <laughs> quite a lot of different battle maps and what I've done is I've just got all the assets I like can roll 20 you can just search on the internet for the stuff that I need and then it onto a map and then I've got various background maps that I can swap in and out so that's yeah. another way of doing it instead of like looking for the perfect battle map or for a while i was yes. incarnate and making my own battle maps which was just was really fun but I just don't have time for that now mm. that the world is open again the um so, you know, maybe that's one way of, of doing city is you say, well, these are the sort of buildings looks, and, uh, this is the background. So you get like a generic, like city paving yeah map. And then no matter what, what they do, you can quite quickly just plop the tokens on and met, make the map or just draw it. You know, you can just draw with yeah. map tools. And if you're in person, you know, um, is a very different way of prepping cities in person, but you know, you don't, I think theatre to the mind probably works better in person than it does online. I don't know how
0: you feel. I actually know what you mean. I think, I think people can understand theatre of the mind very quickly, um, but it is a very shared experience mm-hmm. because whilst it doesn't matter that you can't all see, it doesn't matter if when I'm describing a building, you think it's a red building, and Scott, who's playing with her, it, thinks it's a brown building. That doesn't matter. But it does matter that the general geography that's described of a battle is the same for everyone because it is a game and it it does mechanically need to work. And I think that's much easier when everyone's in person. There's something about that shared experience that yeah, you're more engaged and people can chat and they like cl- clarify things amongst mm-hmm.
1: themselves. Whereas online, you have to be very you have to pay attention. It's easier to zone out, I think.
0: Yeah, because okay, you're not
1: engaged so- as much. But yeah, so I think you know that's one way to sort of prep encounters in cities. And I think the plot hooks, I guess, will come along with the people and the rumors that you've set up. You don't really need much more than that. I don't really like the idea of like adventure boards. I know we talked about that earlier on, but I don't. It just doesn't feel like realistic. It doesn't
0: feel as organic, and like it, it, I think it's a very much a video game thing. Well, I say that. I mean, it, going back to classic D and D, it existed as well, but I think it existed when the game was much more focused on going on a quest, yeah. and the getting the quest was often a very brief part at the start of the session. Whereas I think different pillars of the game, the kind of social and exploration aspects as they've evolved, getting the quest is not just this sort of tick box at the beginning. Now you very much want to like that to happen kind of organically. No, it, it doesn't because as players and DM, you've got together to do the quest. So you kind of all know that one's coming, but the characters like to get invested in the quest slightly more organically and like, like picking it off an adventure board is not quite as fun as witnessing a dramatic incident or speaking to a patron who's given advice. What I would say about the players and actually this, hopefully the conversation we've had is not daunting anyone who needs to prep. I think player, there is a social contract with players and DM that players do know (laughs) that a DM has prepped a certain amount of stuff and that some things are unrealistic. So, And I think 99% of players get this and are well-behaved and know that, you know what, I could, because (laughs) we're in this busy location, steer Callum wildly off track and try and turn this whole session into a conversation down at the docks, trying to negotiate a boarding fee for something. Like you could theoretically force that. I think players know that's not where the fun is. Callum's not prepped that, like that.
1: Two things in my head that when you're saying this. One is that I sometimes am the bad player, particularly since I got access to the spell commune. It <laughs> just come out with like out of nowhere questions that you have to know a yes no answer to and that must be really hard. So sorry. And the other thing is that, like, talking about things that, you know, parts of the city, maybe you don't want them to visit or you haven't prepped properly or, you know, guiding them. It just made me think really, like, of um, old, like, RPG games that you would play. Like, I used to play the Pokemon games on the yeah. on the Game Boy. And I love where it was just, like, you would go up to this area and it was just, like, one square to get through. And they'd be, like, it would just, they'd just be, like, a, an NPC standing there being, like, oh looks like this area is closed for now yes
0: (laughs) oh well no context (laughs) (laughs)
1: like months
0: no average
1: yeah and they just didn't explain it and as as you know obviously video games are very different from rpgs because rpgs the boundaries are much looser you can have a lot more interaction with things like npcs but i i think there is there is potentially a role and i think your players would accept it if they like were like trying to do something and you're like i haven't prepped this and instead of like either trying to rush prep something or improvising getting it wrong, um, or maybe that works fine for you. I, I tend to just improvise stuff if I am not prepped or, um, you know, just being like, you can't go there out of character. I think people would accept a sort of loose in-game thing where like, you know, someone comes running over and says like, Oh, before you go there, actually we need you at the barracks. Now yeah. can you come? And like, that's, I don't think that's game breaking. I think that I think most players would be like, Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, we'll go
0: over there. I totally agree with you. Ultimately, what everyone wants is to have fun. And I think most people get that...
1: I just want to make your life hell as DM, Josh.
0: <laughs> you and I share a very similar view of DMing. But let's pretend it's about no, the no. fun. <laughs> I think the other thing is that... It's always possible, and this doesn't just apply to populated areas. If you, as the DM, feel like you want to clarify something, just step out of the game to a- like ask players oh, yeah. directly. Yeah. So a if a player is like, maybe a player has had a brilliant idea how to tackle something in Dale, and they say to you, "Ooh, is there a sewer system here in Dale?" Because they're thinking we could sneak around in the sewers, and you think, "I have never prepped this. I have no idea. If I say yes." Or no, it might open up a whole can of worms. I might just step out and say, What is it you're what is it you're looking to do? Yeah, you do that a lot. That's good. Could you and if it's like, oh, we want to find a way of like sneaking around in the city, and I'm like, right, great, okay. That's what your real question is. Maybe, maybe that means I will improvise a sewer because I know what they're doing is they want to sneak around. Maybe as I say, there's not, but and then lead them yeah, to there's yeah. a network of back alleys or something yeah you like. can give
1: them another thing and
0: it, it it's funny because you just don't know what's
1: going on in their head I think of the like that Goblin game that you ran for us <laughs> where you basically the the party was a group of goblins and we had these very chaotic missions where we were like given a mission I and mean, we were kind of criminals and there was an, there was to assassinate someone at a theater and it was just all sorts of mayhem and madness. <laughs> and actually that clarifying question can be really good because they, they probably are, they're asking if there's a sewer system so that they can try sneaking. sneak in. But yeah. maybe they're like, well, what we'll do is we'll block the sewer and all yeah. the sewage <laughs> will back up and kill them with disease. You know, maybe that's a plan. In which case, you're like... Uh, you know <laughs> i'm not maybe going to improvise a whole sewer system because that's never it's just not going to work so maybe i won't let so it,
0: it can way. be work like going into a busy area populated area or city you are presenting loads of choices that doesn't mean you have to present unlimited choices <laughs> yes it's still reasonable to ask for some clarification and it's, it's also, also reasonable to say no
1: completely reasonable to just prep it as like you you don't even give them the opportunity you just say like you arrive in dale and you go to your allotted meeting with captain Elfston and you um we join you back now and you're in the barracks in this room and you just you just don't give them the opportunity to do that yep. but i think that's sort of how aim is designed to be played um yes we have chosen to make it much more expansive and i think in future episodes we'll we'll talk in depth about these places and some ideas that we might have but for now Josh if I was uh well we've been talking about doing a game set in Gondor which yes. is which is more difficult in some ways because there is no published Adventures of Middle Earth material I really hope that Lord of the Rings RPG comes out with a Gondor supplement that would be amazing because be amazing. I think we are both huge fans and there's so much of there's so much undiscovered country there not a great Star Trek film but the um <laughs> you know there's so much stuff there to explore um so if if we are going to go to Minas Tirith, what could maybe just summarising what we've talked about, how would
0: how would I go about preparing that? Because I need to do that. Well, it's in that, that is a good example because it's certainly one of the biggest, most populated places we see in the books or the films, or I believe that actually just exists at this point in yeah, Middle think, Earth. I think so, yeah. One of them. So I think what we've learned is you don't need to prep every NPC, which is good because there are possibly thousands, tens of thousands of NPCs there. You don't need to prep them all. What you do need to know is who the key NPCs are that we might engage with. Maybe it is the, the steward, maybe it is senior military person and um, maybe there's a, a quest giver of some kind who's a historian or you're know, an archivist uh, if one of us has a family connection that halmyr does maybe some of their friends or relatives and like you've said you could work with mm. me to develop who they are well, i love that thanks the, the other thing you need to do is think i don't need to know who all the people on the street are but i do need to know roughly what's going on so is it that perhaps a uh, uh, a party of of um, Gondorian soldiers was were ambushed at Giliath recently. So that rumor is going around. That is potentially a, a plot hook, a quest. It's maybe set the city on edge. Also, they they generally have an attitude towards um, people from Rohan. They generally have an attitude towards the North. Um, they know that there was a, a fire recently in the city. So okay, there's enough rumors there that if we ask a stranger you can drop in some information and then you just want key places where might we stay um, you would probably know in advance why we're going there so if it's that we wanted information it's like well they might go to the library so i'm probably gonna to need to prep the library and what information they could get um, and they'll likely want to see the the patron of the city um, now the steward is quite a senior patron for a party to meet so maybe it's someone lower down but if it's the steward you think okay there needs to be a grand setting there's likely could be an audience of some kind yeah and i think if you've you've prepped your key npcs roughly what's going on and a couple of locations i think you've got a pretty good starting point for when we arrive that's
1: amazing because you just talking through there gave me just so many ideas <laughs> prompting for what i want to bring in and and i there's definitely going to be a how a, a how or backstory maybe some army pals I can imagine that like you know you know in 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 most films you know are like I think John Wick is coming to my head for some reason you know <laughs> he's running into random people not saying that how is the John Wick over cover
0: Can't yeah he's, he's a total badass how much to badass.
1: about the yeah so I've got a load of ideas and actually I think probably the key thing is and I hadn't really done this before is thinking about what everybody on the streets knows what's happening and what they're talking about and once you've written that down that's, that's so great if you're like your players are just like oh we're gonna just rest in this corner and then he's like and as you're standing there you and someone with a high passive perception you overhear an elderly couple walking past um and they seem to be you know worried about their their son because he's often a scalia and they've they've had news that's been another attack or you know that people there's some new people walking up the street, and needing to be carrying a lot of goods, uh, and you you hear that Iphilion, um, you know, has been under attack, and people are trying yeah. to to emigrate from affiliate to Ministerif, which is happening around this time that the the sort yeah. of the game is set. So, yeah, that's it's amazing actually. I, I hadn't really thought about it prepping it that much, but it, it it kind of speaks to the lazy lazy DM guide, but maybe on a less fantastical level because that's designed for fifth edition, and aim is. Yeah so grounded in those people and that's I definitely think that that uh, Jackson Peter Jackson does that so well in the films is that whenever you arrive in new place so just think about when they arrive in Bree and it's like dreary and wet and you see all the close-ups of these small people and that's sort yeah. of what they're doing there isn't it he's sort of selling selling you on that you know you can see what's going on and you immediately get a vibe
0: yeah, those, those kind of establishing shots, which are through the, for a DM, it's your narration. Is what things do you tell them when they first arrive very quickly give a flavor of what the city's like? And um,
1: another thing that just popped into my head music. <laughs> We've not talked about that oh at all. yeah. I think that can actually sell a place quite well. If you've got, I usually try and find some like ambient background noise, which is like people and not, and you're just like a bustle of a city noise. Yeah and then some sort of music that fits to the theme and I, that i find music really helpful dming to sell the sell the vibe that i'm giving off you see that in like a lot of films and edits you know people do clips of films where like they um there's one sorry loads of them but one that was like harry potter on the train and the dementors coming in and they get rid of the scary music and put in like a sort of sort of yeah yeah sexual and completely you know, music. Tone, and it's like, yeah. you're like oh like what's going on with this Dementor?" <laughs> you know it, it changes it so quickly so that can be a really powerful tool to, to sell your your city to the people that are playing in it
0: good we've covered a lot here um and hopefully we've made it seem less daunting if you need to prep a, a city session for your players it is fun and I do think it's one of these things that there's a lot of prep up front, but once they get there, they start to tell the stories a lot. Like they will, you'll very quickly pick up on the information they are excited by, whatever that particular NPC or a, a, a plot hook, or maybe it's a particular location. They may then not engage with a lot of the rest of it, and that's fine because, you know, maybe they come back to it later date, maybe it's still useful. But once they've kind of narrowed the story a bit, your prep gets a lot easier, so... If you do the, do the work up front, once they start telling the story, you can just follow with them.
1: So any final closing statements, Josh?
0: <laughs> yes, we've covered a lot in this episode. We've talked about cities and how to do them. And we would love your feedback on either whether or not you've prepped a city or had any concerns so if you can get in touch. The other, perhaps more important thing we talked about was North American confectionery and our strong views thereof. So if you are in North America, please get in touch either about your favourite confectionery or how to prepare a city. You can email us at thefellowshipphase at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at fellowshipphase. So get in touch, confectionery or cities. That's what we want to hear about. Or confectionery made of city. No,
1: cities made of confectionery. No. Which? no.
0: <laughs> Just cities and confectionery. We'll, we'll bring them together later.
1: No emails, except on party business. And comments, suggestions, and questions to phase at gmail.com. The long year turns to its close. Much we have accomplished these last seasons. Our fellowship disbands, but is not broken. And we will return.
0: On the next episode of the fellowship phase.